Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. If you don't already know me, I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador, and I'm so thrilled to speak with a most remarkable man today, Professor Nicholas Kanalopoulos, who is the head of the Audiovisual Arts Department of the Ionian University in Greece. Since 1987, Professor Nicholas has served on the board of directors of various public and private institutions of IT and culture. He has directed more than 50 national and European research and development projects in the fields of computer system architecture, e-government and information technology applications, such as the development of the Athens Stock Exchange trading system and the Ministry of Press and Mass Media IT systems. His published works include three international patents, eight thesis books, and over 120 scientific papers and studies. Oh, wow. <laughs> Currently, his main research interest is in the investigation of digital te- technology application in interactive audiovisual art system, including virtual reality and augmented reality, and in the cognitive perception of the third and fourth spatial dimensions, which is I am so excited to find out more about. Wow, wow, wow. What an honor, Professor Nikos. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Hello, dear uh, Louisa. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> nice, nice to be with you. It's so nice. I'm so honored that you're here. I would really like, obviously, you're a scientist and professor and the work that you're doing is one of your passions and it, it's so interesting. If you wouldn't mind explaining to our audience, what is the third and fourth dimension? Just if you well, mind explaining it. Yes. Um, okay. What is uh, dimension is uh, quite uh, important to start with. Yeah. Uh, dimension means uh, it's defined by uh, ancient uh, Greeks. Uh, Iparchos uh, was uh, the father of uh, geometry and astronomy. And uh, he decided, together with uh, uh, Ptolemaeus uh, on the third century uh, after Christ, uh, to measure Earth. So from there on, uh, they uh, decided about uh, uh, measuring Earth in meridians and parallels. latitude and longitude as we know it nowadays and when we go uh, higher uh, then we have attitude so uh, from there on uh, a lot of uh, scientists and artists uh, created various systems to uh, measure uh, distances now up to there everything was simple Uh, But later on, uh, we understood that um, to understand 
three dimension, it's not as simple as uh, we think. Our eyes, for example, see only two dimensions, like a camera. You know, a camera has a lens on the front mm -hmm. and uh, a film at the back. The film is two dimension. Even uh, a digital camera has uh, an array at the back, which is uh, reading the photons as they come through the lens and creates uh, digital signals. This is also two dimension. So really, we don't see three dimensions. We only see two dimensions. And in fact, uh, uh, all our senses take two dimensional data. It is our brain that takes all this stream of data uh, that uh, perceives the, three, the third dimension. Uh, in other words, creates a model um, in our brain. And this model has an extra dimension than the one that our senses gives us. Uh, let me tell you, for example, that uh, when we touch an object, Again, it's two dimensions. We only see the we only sense the surface of it. Okay, uh, to go beyond the surface, uh, only technology like X-ray can do it, or MRI technology, which we see inside our body, for example, uh, our bones and organs. So we don't really have the capability to understand, to sense the third. Uh, dimension, but we can perceive it. So, um, for example, I, I see in front of me an object. In fact, what I see, it's two kinds of data. A lot of pixels, colored pixels. In other words, I have uh, um, cells on my retina and these cells uh, understand uh, frequencies. That means that we see colors. And then we have uh, another kind of uh, bipolar cells that uh, understands contrast, light contrast. That gives us the idea of uh, the information about the shapes of the objects. From uh, very dark from black to white, let's say. So with this uh, data, our brain must understand, um, creates a database with objects, some rules, and then uh, with this kind of information tries to create a, a model. In other words, um, objects like uh, um, a dog, a house, uh, a triangle, a sphere are uh, in the database as visual uh, words. But uh, a rule is that uh, if an object is in front of another, then it hides it. Therefore, we get an idea of a depth because the front object hides the one which is behind. Or if we see something very far away, then it's, uh, as, as it goes away from us, it gets smaller. Uh, that means uh, the distance uh, increases between us 
and this object since it goes away, a car, let's say. And uh, then our brain says, ah, okay. Then we have uh, a bigger distance and we can judge by experience that this could be 10 meters, one kilometer or whatever. So our brain creates this model and uh, the senses that uh, help on the visual, for example, uh, are only these two kinds of cells that take the information through the nerve to the brain. And in the brain we have, as you know, a lot of neurons and uh, a lot of synapses uh, between them. And uh, we create uh, this model, the, thir the third dimension model, the third dimension model in our brain. So, although we think that uh, we see three dimensions, we don't see three dimensions, none of us. We perceive three dimensions. Um, when we are born, we don't have in our DNA this um, um, notion of distance. What we see is a lot of light, um, something like clouds, shapes uh, that we don't understand what they are. And later on, uh, in, uh, as the time passes, we learn about uh, um, our hand, which is in front of our eyes. We understand it's ours, our fingers. Uh, then we start distinguish the faces of people. Then we understand who is mother, who is father, etc. And slowly, uh, but continuously, uh, for as long as we live, we enrich our database with uh, more objects, more ideas, more knowledge about shapes through geometry, uh, mathematics, uh, in, the high, in, the, in the school, in the Giddin Garden to start with, then later on in the, in the school and the uh, university much later. So basically we train our brain to create an even better model and to understand uh, what uh, the world that we live in, the third, the three dimensional world uh, is and how it functions. And uh, through this we understand uh, nature and we research and we find out uh, exactly what uh, uh, happen, what is happening and what is going to happen because we have a lot of imagination then and we can create uh, even models that don't uh, exist. We imagine uh, sections, parts of the three-dimensional model in our brain and we make it uh, uh, better than what is uh, in reality. And sometimes uh, I believe that Reality is uh, more complex than imagination, to tell you the truth. It's uh, nature <laughs> always surprises. Interesting uh, concepts. Yes. So uh, I, thought, I thought for a long time in my life it was the other way around, but I found out that uh, nature is ahead. It's uh, beyond our imagination. It's really incredible. It is and, incredible. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so this is as far as... Uh, uh, third dimension uh, is concerned. You know, the same things, the same, exactly the same model we have to create 
for sound. We, we create a, a three-dimensional sound. Uh, again, our ears have um, a drum, which is two-dimensional in the brain. And, and therefore, again, we take two-dimensional data through our ears. All our organs give us two-dimensional data. And we have to create, uh, uh, as we did with visual space, we have to, to create uh, uh, audio space. And uh, uh, again, smelling and uh, touching, as I said before, everything has to be uh, taken in as two-dimensional and, and our brain has to create the three-dimensional model for it. So, let's go to uh, the fourth dimension. Now, fourth dimension, because we don't really perceive it, uh, since we don't need to, because we live in, in this three-dimensional world and, and we're quite happy with uh, can I just can I just backtrack there? So what what yes. from what I understand, we're saying the the capability of our eyes, we see two dimensional objects and shapes and reality around us, but yes. our brain perceives the three dimension, the third dimension yes. of reality. Yes, I, yes, yes, exactly. What happens is we take snapshots uh, continuously. We take about thirty snapshots per second for each eye. Okay. And these are like uh, taking uh, with a camera uh, 30 photographs uh, per second. Per second, okay. Yes. Okay. So these go into the brain in a series, like a domino, go first, second, third. And uh, our brain subtracts the previous one uh, from the next one continuously. It has this mechanism. And sees the difference between, uh, let's say, the first and the second, then the second and the third, the, th the third and the fourth, etc. And by seeing this difference, uh, if you see straight in front of you and you don't move and nothing moves in front of you, you see exactly the same thing. It's a still photograph, let's say. Nothing moves, okay? If you start moving your head a bit to the left or a bit to the right, you start seeing the objects from the left and from the right. So you see, you see. Uh, the side of the objects. The brain creates the difference between these snapshots and starts uh, creating depth in the model, all right, uh, in the imagination, in other words. And uh, now, if an object uh, moves or, or if we move, then uh, we see uh, more of the side of, of the object. Uh, if the object turns or we turn around it, then we see all around 360 degrees of the object. We scan continuously uh, 30 uh, frames per second. The same thing happens in the film, you know. The film, uh, we see the how we see film and, and motion because we have 30 frames per second on the TV. The television, as you know, it's two-dimensional. It's only a glass, okay? And yet we believe, uh, by looking at it, that uh, we see three dimensions because uh, uh, of all these rules that I told you before. And uh, we think that it, it has depth. We take a photograph, a, a printed one in, in, on our hand, and we look at it, and we see depth, although it's only two-dimensional. Everything is two-dimensional uh, on, on our eyes. The same applies uh, with all our senses. 
what what happens with touch if you touch uh, okay let's say you for the first time you don't know what the glass is okay and you're a baby okay let's go back yeah very early <laughs> days uh, not that long so, ago <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> i'm sure about it okay so uh, we are born and someone puts a glass in front of us we have no idea what the glass is okay uh we see uh, shapes okay and uh, usually what we do a baby what it does it touches it wants to put uh, in the mouth mm -hmm. uh, this object and uh, taste and uh, uh, and see as much as, as can around and uh, start you know uh, uh, trying to understand yeah. uh, what uh, it is and uh, uh, after understand it then uh, it has to put it in the, in the database and say this is a glass uh, now uh, the glass however it's uh, not only an object uh, which is three-dimensional uh, and we can uh, understand that from all the senses seeing touching uh, and turning it around etc motion and all that uh, but also uh, is, is an idea of something so what is a, a cup let's say a cup is a container uh, what it takes in uh, uh, liquid uh, so this is um, um, a platonic idea basically all right plato defined ideas uh, each object everything uh, has an idea attached to it and uh, by saying uh, a glass uh, or a cup uh, we have thousands of different shapes but the idea is exactly the same it, it means that it's a container of liquid uh, or uh, uh, a pair of, uh, let's say, what can I say, scissors, okay? A pair of scissors is an idea, what they do, they cut things, okay? But we have thousands of different designs and different materials uh, to create uh, scissors or uh, a, a car. Uh, many different shapes, many, many different shapes. But the car is an automobile, it carries people from A to B, it has wheels, it has an engine because it's auto, mobile, mobile, okay? And uh, so everything has attached an idea and our brain puts it in little uh, uh, spaces in our uh, uh, cognitive space and uh, creates a database with all these uh, different objects that are uh, attached to a specific uh, idea. This is how we, uh, we make uh, uh, the database, we create a database for everything. And if you see the glass, the glass has uh, reflections on it, right? And the reflections uh, and the shadows of objects also give us information about their shape and we create even better object because you have a, a shadow uh, on this glass on the surface on the two-dimensional surface uh, if you have a light and uh, goes to the glass and then on the two-dimensional surface you have a two-dimensional shadow so from a three-dimensional glass we go to a level uh, of a two-dimensional shadow 
all shadows are one dimension less. And uh, uh, by turning the glass or by moving the light uh, up or down, left and right, the shadow changes of that glass. But also the reflection on the glass changes. And on the, on the glass, you see reflection of other objects. So the brain immediately creates coordinates for each object. The same happens with mirror. Okay? And uh, these reflections uh, and, and the coloring and also the shapes of the objects and the degrees, uh, uh, 360 degrees, because you have shapes uh, and shadows that uh, reflect uh, on this particular glass, creates the environment of the glass and therefore uh, enriches uh, your model by looking at that glass. And this is done only uh, because of uh, uh, taking a lot of a series of snapshots, 30 snapshots per second for both eyes. And uh, this is what gives you uh, a refinement, a, a better construction of, of the model. Uh, and very uh, interesting. Yeah, let me give you a very good example. Some people, you know, unfortunately, they, they are born uh, blind because of a malfunction. Now, uh, this science can uh, um, take a person like that, let's say at a later age, 20, 30 years of age, and uh, uh, through a surgery can connect uh, the nerve uh, to the brain because usually sometimes uh, the transducer, the eye, is okay, but the connection between the transducer and the brain uh, has a malfunction. So we have uh, the ability to connect correctly uh, the eye to the brain uh, via surgery. These people uh, lived a long period of their life uh, without seeing, but of course they touch with their hands mm -hmm. and they understand the world uh, with, uh, by smelling, touching, uh, understand uh, the heat of the objects, etc., etc. So, what do they see? First time they see after the surgery. They see exactly what uh, the baby sees when it's born. A lot of light, uh, shapes that are like clouds, and uh, they don't really understand what is all this about. They don't understand any object. So, if we take a circle on a piece of paper and, and explain to this person, who is not a baby, is 20, 30 years of age, that this is a circle, then, and this is a triangle, and this is a square, then understands uh, a point, a line, a triangle, a square, in other words, two-dimensional uh, drawings. And then you say, okay, uh, here is a ball, and you put a, a, a ball in, on, on top of the table. What he sees is a circle, not a ball, all right? Because it's trained to see a circle up to that point. But if you say to this person, touch this circle, it's trying to, to, to touch it with the two hands as it is a, a, a round wire, let's say, a circle and then realize that it's an object because his hands uh, grasp the whole uh, surface of the ball. And then he connects to the model of uh, 
uh, that he has created because uh, with his hands and he says this is a ball and immediately this circle inflates and becomes a ball visually so we use a lot of our senses together in order to understand the world and uh, train uh, each sense differently the same thing happens if we have uh, a stroke part of our brain uh, is damaged and uh, sometimes it hits uh, uh, the, uh, the vision or uh, speech or movement as you know now there are exercises to uh, to create uh, these synapses these connections in the our neurons after a lot of work and this is the modern way of doing things and you can take a person that has uh, uh, this kind of problem and train it train him from the beginning as if if he was a baby and eventually uh, it learns again to to see objects or to uh, or to hear or to speak uh, anything that had lost because of the stroke including movement etc can be rebuilt in the brain and uh, slowly with a lot of work and through exercises we can eventually uh, reach the point uh, where we were before the stroke so it's a brain function we are talking about and a lot of training so let's go now to the fourth dimension mm -hmm. the fourth dimension is one beyond the cube let's say because the cube what is a cube a cube is a, 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 it, it it's constructed by uh, six squares okay and uh, uh, these are the sides of the cube and uh, uh, we understand the cube we have studied the cube uh, through geometry we know the equations that uh, measure the cube and all that we even know the shadows that we get from uh, from a cube an object uh, we can even draw a cube with uh, 12 lines on a piece of paper and say ah this is a cube and uh, on the on two dimensions you can see the cube if we if we did not know what the cube is these 12 lines on a, on a sheet of paper would not give us any meaning of a cube. We, we would see it as 12 lines, not as a cube. But because we, we understand, we have the model of the cube in our brain, we see these 12 lines on a piece of paper that we draw with a pencil, let's say, and we say, ah, this is a cube, even though it's not. It's just 12 lines, okay? Uh, each line is square, and uh, it's, uh, every four lines we have a square, and uh, we believe that this is a cube, though it's not. So the same thing happens if we go one dimension up. So what is, is the, the, the fourth dimension? The fourth dimension is uh, taking this three-dimensional cube, which has three coordinates, because to, um, to recognize a point in the three-dimensional world, you have to have uh, an X, Y, and Z coordinates. And, and this gives you the point. The same as it happens on the Earth, as I said before. Okay, you, you want to find where an airplane is, you give uh, uh, 
longitude, latitude, and attitude, and you know exactly where this airplane is on, on, on the Earth's surface, on the space. Um, so, to, to go to the fourth dimension, you need an extra dimension. So, let's say, uh, if we say we have red, green, and, uh, and blue for the three dimensions, then you need the white dimension, one more, because uh, you need four points, four measurements, to find uh, a point on a four-dimensional, which is uh, perpendicular to the other three dimensions that we have. Now, this is difficult to comprehend. How can it is. Have, <laughs> it's very difficult. How, how can you have a perpendicular to the, to the three that you have already, right? This is, this is very difficult to comprehend. And that's why in my research, uh, I'm trying to train the brain to comprehend the fourth dimension. To comprehend the fourth dimension is like seen inside the sphere. Um, we cannot because as we, we can see only uh, shapes and, and surfaces of these shapes, since we see two dimensions. And it's very difficult to, to see inside a sphere. But look what happened. We have MRI, okay? And MRI is a technology that uh, uh, creates slices of uh, our body, and we see inside the body in two dimensions, a lot of slices thousands of slices of our body with MRI and uh, eventually we see inside the body uh, through this technology. So it's a coding here we are talking about, it's a coding. So if I code uh, with the fourth color, I have red, green and blue for three dimensions. If I say I have one more dimension, white, and I code white, uh, then uh, with color coding, I could uh, see inside the sphere because I can train the brain to understand each, comprehend rather, its uh, section of that sphere. And to do this, uh, you need a lot of training, like uh, solving a Rubik cube. You cannot solve a Rubik cube easily. And yet I can solve a Rubik cube without seeing it because I train myself to solve it. Th I think you do that every day. Is that correct? Yeah, or almost yes. <laughs> the Rubik's because cube. Because it's it's a it's a test actually to see the 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 ability of my brain for that particular day, because it's very difficult to measure the status of uh, your IQ in a in a particular day, and this changes because it's well, I think yours is always generally pretty high. I have to say. <laughs> well, you know, this gives me the the the. What happened when I was writing my PhD, one day I was writing something which I thought was very good, and next, uh, after three days, I was reading it and I said, oh, that's terrible. I was throwing it away, write again, same chapter. And three days later, I said, just a minute, the previous one was better. So I realized that uh, my brain was drifting. Everybody's brain is drifting. We are not at peak uh, every day. Uh, and, uh, I had to find uh, a way to measure uh, my ability, my brain ability uh, per day. And uh, I found out that the Rubik's Cube, which was at the time very, uh, very in, 
in society, everybody was uh, carrying one. Uh, we are talking about uh, the 70s now, right? 70s, 80s. Um, was a tool I use in order to to find, uh, uh, you know, the, the the current status of uh, my brain. It's very difficult to to measure to use the same organ to measure itself. It's it's impossible. You cannot measure a, a meter with a meter. You need another meter. Yeah, so, well, we're digressing from the fourth dimension, and I really want to go back to that. But so the way yeah. you've been doing the Rubik's it's, cube for a long time, and that's how you measure your peak performance. You track it daily. Yeah. And, How and, and, fast uh, you can complete the Rubik's Cube, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, and then if I do it in uh, one minute, 45 seconds to two minutes, then uh, that's good. If I do it in three minutes, uh, I stop doing what I'm doing. I'm going out for uh, an excursion or something. Uh, Could you, you have know. just had a bad <laughs> night's sleep? Uh, it could be anything. Could be anything. It's it's uh, a brain is uh, biology. It's chemistry. It's uh, electric signals. It's everything. You know. It's uh, what we eat. Uh, the, the, what happens. Uh, our mood uh, changes uh, continuously. Sure. All this uh, definitely uh, changes our uh, our ability. So you just and, know uh, you're not at your peak when you're when you're not. Completing the exactly. cube. Exactly, exactly. Very so, interesting. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to know when you are wrong. Uh, and you know why? Because all our transducers give us information which is not necessarily true. They're illusions. Don't believe everything you think. That's what I keep exactly, telling myself. Don't exactly, believe everything exactly, you think. Exactly. Because you take this information, two-dimensional information, and the brain... Uh, tries to understand what on earth is happening out there. And sometimes it's an illusion. And uh, uh, sometimes you're so sure that this is correct, uh, and yet it's not, because it's an illusion. And you can get illusions from uh, all our senses, not only eyes, but ears, uh, uh, smell, etc., etc. And so, what about above the five senses? Do you think we have some extra sensory perception above the five the, the, the general five senses that we talk about? Well, uh, we know that the, the dimensions, uh, they, are about, they are exactly 11. And I'm not talking about time here, I'm talking about the uh, spatial. Oh, that was one of my other questions. How many scientific dimensions are there? So there are 11. 11. Okay. And uh, we, some uh, fellow scientists uh, in Sweden, a blue blue project, they call it, um, they use uh, algebra, topology, topology uh, algebra, uh, to understand how the synapses are created in our brain, and they calculated that uh, we have the ability to understand up to 11 uh, dimensions, uh, the way our brain is uh, constructed. And uh, the, to, to, to understand the dimension, let's say the, the fourth one, one more. What I believe, and this is my research, my current research is focused on that. Uh, what I believe is that uh, I have to, we have to train our brain to comprehend and create the four-dimensional model the same way that uh, we create the three-dimensional model. Because after all, 
when we are born, as I explained before, we, we don't comprehend three dimensions, we learn to comprehend. Therefore, it's a matter of training, which is a continuous process. As long as we live, we become better and better. Let's take music. If uh, a musician listens uh, to a piece of Tchaikovsky played by a particular violin, uh, because he has a very good trained ear, can understand the type of violin, uh, Stradivarius or whatever, the, the guy who is actually playing the violin, because he, he's trained to, uh, to, to, to find the differences in color in this music, uh, even the space this violin is played on, uh, probably understands also the maestro that uh, uh, governs the whole uh, situation there. Uh, but he can do that because his ear is extremely trained. If I listen to it, I have no idea. I listen to a nice piece of music, but I, don't, I cannot create a complex model like a musician can. Uh, so it's a matter of training, you see with everything yes. around us. Like and, uh, and, and that's why I believe that if I train uh, my brain to comprehend the fourth dimension, then I will be able, possibly, okay, there is also, uh, because we haven't done it yet, I can uh, be able to uh, sense, uh, not sense, perceive uh, the fourth dimension. So this is my latest research I'm trying with my uh, PhD guys here uh, to uh, create courses uh, that will train uh, my our brain to comprehend the fourth uh, dimension. And uh, of course, before we go to fourth dimension, we have to uh, understand exactly what uh, uh, happened uh, with the three dimension and how we uh, we actually do that. Uh, and comprehend that. And uh, uh, that was my first PhD. The first PhD I did was that. Uh, and now on the other and some of my publications. But now uh, I'm going into, uh, after finishing, yeah, after finishing with uh, sensation and uh, perception uh, uh, of the environment, which is uh, realized through our uh, brain cells. Uh, we have uh, we detect changes uh, with uh, uh, chemoreceptors. Um, they taste, smell, um, blood vessels uh, detect changes in glucose concentration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And these are uh, detect changes in uh, in the chemistry. Then we have uh, heat sinks that detect temperature. We had the photoreceptors detect light. Uh, uh, they, they are in the eyes. Uh, we have other receivers like, uh, you know, to understand uh, pressure, movement, voltage, um, a lot so, of transducers so uh, if that uh, give two-dimensional data. So the next thing after uh, understanding this uh, um, three-dimensional world is to, to, to go and uh, see Oh, if this perception can be improved to understand four-dimensional. And to, to understand four-dimensional, I, I, I would send you a piece of uh, uh, 
music that my team created by simulating a three-dimensional three ear. Three-dimensional ear would be, we don't have it, but would be, instead of having a, a, a membrane uh, in uh, our ear, to have a cube in our ear. In other words, to have uh, six membranes uh, at right angles to each other. And uh, that means we would get uh, the waves uh, of the sound in our ear from many different directions. So how would that ear listen? Uh, how, uh, how, what kind of sound we could uh, uh, hear uh, if we had such an ear? So we did this uh, simulation, we created uh, this kind of ear and uh, uh, recorded uh, the simulation I sent you. Uh, yes, I'm going to put it at the end of this um, yes. episode for people to listen to. I'm going to put the music yes. at the end. And I'll put your pa yes. some of your papers, links, in the show notes. But I wanted to ask yes. you if, obviously, if so I'm just giving myself as an example because I'm here, if I was to perceive the fourth dimension, you talk about MRIs and uh, seeing through objects. Mm -hmm. If I was to perceive the fourth dimension, what would I perceive in an ideal model or in an ideal uh, research? What would I perceive? Well, we could understand, you know, dimension is a network. It's, it's, a, it's a passing information from A to B. Is that how you would class, how, how would you define uh, dimension? Yeah, so, so, so the, 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 the fourth dimension is uh, having one more axis on the three axes we have. Now, uh, to, to comprehend that, as I explained, is, is uh, difficult. There are some, um, uh, in my publication, some examples of it. But uh, if you take uh, on the visual, uh, then you, you have to see the new simulations. It's difficult to, to explain to you. Uh, you have to actually watch it uh, or listen to it, like the, the one on the sound that I told you before, uh, in order to get the experience. Uh, I mean, how can you explain to a blind person how, <laughs> uh, what the, the, car was, uh, uh, the shape of the car is? It's very, very difficult to explain. Uh, so it's very difficult also for the fourth dimension but I believe that if we see it as a, as a network connecting, in other words, in a different way, the world, um, like, for example, internet. Internet is, uh, is an incredible network. And inter inter internet gives you an extra dimension, in fact, uh, which we didn't have before. Uh, it's it's uh, almost a living organism. Uh, that connects with many, many different uh, ways, uh, all these nodes. And uh, all you need to, if, if you have a point with uh, more than three nodes to a point, then you have an extra dimension to that point, basically. Uh, the only uh, difference is that uh, it's not uh, geometric as we understand it uh, in a three-dimensional world. But for example, if you if you use uh, if you can comprehend the extra dimension uh, like the fourth one, then you could probably comprehend uh, better uh, intuition or telepathy 
uh, functions that we don't understand uh, how they actually work because we don't understand how the information is passed from A to B. If we go to quantum world, and you know, quantum computers are very near to us. In fact, we have constructed uh, uh, one in Canada already uh, in D-Wave. D-Wave has constructed the first. Could you just explain to our audience the definition of quantum? Oh yeah, um, in digital world, uh, we have uh, zero and one, the two states of, uh, let's say, it's like a switch, a switch on, uh, you switch on the light or switch off the light, okay? So uh, if you switch on, then you have truth. If you switch off, then you have false. So uh, that uh, we connect uh, uh, bull, uh, many, many centuries ago, connected uh, logic with uh, mathematics by saying zero is false and one is uh, true. And therefore, uh, we can uh, comprehend uh, the working of a, a digital computer uh, by having uh, transistors. Transistors are switches. Switches have uh, on and off position. Therefore, we have uh, the technology to create the digital computer, which uh, can be either false or true. In quantum, things are different. In quantum, you have false and truth at the same time. Now, that is difficult to comprehend, isn't it? Mm. How can you have false and truth at the same time? Uh, when I talk about it to my students, uh, I try to, to put an analogy there and say, you have a coin, you, you throw the coin on the air, and as long as it is on the air, it's both sides at the same time because it turns so it's zero if you say one side is true and the other false zero and, and, and one then there all the time the coin is up in the air uh, you have both states at the same time both solutions because one uh, coin gives you uh, both solutions at the same time uh, the switch cannot give you both switch, both solutions at the same time. It gives either on or off. Uh, to be on and off at the same time is impossible. But the quantum can do it. It's a qubit, we call it, quantum bit. And uh, uh, the way it works is that uh, we use um, uh, statistical mathematics here and say, that uh, if, if this coin is up in the air, then it has a chance, uh, let's say 70%, to go into one state when after uh, applying the rules of gravity falls on the, on the floor, mm -hmm. uh, or 30% uh, not to uh, come to that state. And we can program, we found ways to program this qubit uh, and uh, have this chance 70-30 or 80-20, or 50-50, whatever chance we want. And we found out that in the quantum world, uh, apart from this chance that each qubit has to go into one direction or the other, also influence the next qubit next to it. So you have a second chance, which is the influence between the two qubits. And by programming these uh, two chances for each qubit, uh, we can create uh, 
uh, huge uh, per, uh, possibilities and find uh, extreme uh, uh, solutions uh, to, to a lot of solutions for very difficult problems. Problems that uh, a digital computer would solve in a hundred years, in other words, never, because who is going to wait for a hundred years? This quantum computer can solve it in seconds because it does not calculate the solution. It does not need to calculate the solution like a, a digital computer has to. And this takes a long time. It has the solution because both solutions are there for each qubit. So if you have a thousand qubit, uh, all the solutions, uh, two to the power 1000, which is extremely complex, huge number, uh, are there. The solutions are already there. You don't need to calculate. All you need to do is find an algorithm, a way to select the optimum solution. And selecting the optimum solution, it's it's much faster process than actually calculating it. And that's why the next generation of computers, which are going to be the quantum computers, are, are going to change the world. Uh, to, to, to incredible uh, uh, state. Amazing. And uh, don't forget, I, I, I'll give you this. My, my, my grandmother was born in 1888. She was saying uh, the three eights. I was born the three eights. Great number. Uh, yes. And uh, she died 98 years of age. So when she was born in 1988, it didn't have electricity had candles and, uh, and lights, uh, you know, through uh, uh, light lamps. Yeah, and, the gas lamp, uh, yes. Yes, oil. exactly. Oil. Uh, oil. Oil lamps, yes. Uh, so she went to the, uh, uh, the kitten garden, to the uh, elementary school, uh, uh, high school, etc., etc. And uh, electricity came, and then... Uh, uh, photography came, uh, bicycle came, motorbike came, out uh, the car, um, the rocket, and eventually she saw in her lifetime the man walking on the moon. And all that in one lifetime. All right? Incredible. And we know, <laughs> we, we know that, uh, uh, okay, we are, we are born uh, now the kids are born with internet in their hands. Now, we take internet for granted. 1995 it was when <laughs> uh, actually appeared, all right? Uh, so for us, we know that it was not granted. It's something that we achieved uh, lately, but uh, definitely uh, it was not there forever. And uh, we also know that uh, technology uh, develops at an incredible rate, exponential rate, not, not uh, in a, in a uh, straight, <laughs> uh, simple rate, but exponential uh, rate. Therefore, if my grandmother saw that in a lifetime, what uh, a, a kid that is born now is going to see? Uh, I made this question to my students uh, on the first year, first lecture, and I said, okay, uh, I explained this grandmother <laughs> situation. And I say, what do you think you are going to see in a hundred year time or 80 years time from now? Uh, and they try to uh, apply their imagination and uh, give me some 
uh, ideas about it, and I'll tell you that 99% of all things that they think they are going to see in 100 years' time from now, they actually exist now, but they don't know that they exist now. So it's incredible what's happening. It's incredible what we are going to see. And uh, definitely what I'm talking about, like overhand the fourth dimension, although it sounds like science fiction, don't forget uh, that going to the moon, it was science fiction for Julius Verne when he wrote that. All right? And uh, yet we did it. And now we do every day incredible things. If you see what's happening with NASA and what we are doing, and uh, where we are reaching now with our technology, out in space, or inwards, going to microcosmos, like uh, in quantum computers, for example, what we, we do is incredible. So for me to, uh, to try and create uh, uh, courses to comprehend the fourth dimension, which, by the way, will explain a lot of unsolvable uh, uh, situations. We do experiments now in, uh, in uh, the quantum world, for example. We have a pair of electrons, qubits, and uh, when uh, <coughs> They are entangled, as we say. In other words, like, they are like um, uh, a north and south pole on a magnet. As you know, no matter how many pieces you cut, the, the times you cut a magnet, each piece is going to have north and south pole. You cannot separate on a magnet the north and south pole. The same with uh, these entangled qubits. You, uh, you cannot separate them. So, there, if, if one spins clockwise, the other one spins anticlockwise. If you change the first one, then the entangled uh, pair of it automatically changes the other way, always, with a 100% chance. But the question is, how does it know that uh, it's... Uh, entangled electron chains, especially if you put it to the end of, this, of the world. No matter how far away you take these electrons, if one changes, the other one changes immediately. And yet the information to say that, hey, I change, you have to change now, cannot reach there because we need a speed which is many, many, many times faster than the light which is impossible as we know. So how it happens? How one says to the other, I change, and now you have to change also. Well, I know that it happens because this information goes from A to B via a different way, not three-dimensional, but it opens a door and goes through the fourth dimension, and then these two electrons are next to each other and not millions of light years away. Um, so the fourth dimension definitely exists, as far as I'm concerned. What uh, we need is to comprehend it. Which is what your research is on. Absolutely. Currently. And what you're passionate yes. about at the moment, among many other things. Oh, to, to find out, this is one of my passions. <laughs> uh, to, 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 to understand fourth dimension 
uh, and other dimensions, but at the moment I want to understand and comprehend the, the fourth dimension. Uh, so my research, uh, after building a lot of computers, uh, I mean, I'm a, a VLSI, a very large-scale integration architect. So that means I, I design computers since 1971, uh, before the PC was developed, which was in 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I design uh, um, electronics uh, uh, that you see on a microscope. And if you see two by two millimeters of this uh, uh, electronic device, uh, integrated circuits, we call them, uh, you have uh, uh, a whole town, uh, like uh, Sydney, let's say, in two uh, by two millimeters. And uh, uh, the analogy here is that each house uh, is a, a transistor and the inhabitants uh, are the electrons and uh, they go at incredible speeds in, from, how, from home to home. And if one electron reaches his uh, its home uh, one millionth uh, of a second late, all the town switches off and you have to reset. So we are talking about incredible spaces, the microcosmos. Now, go even lower than that, to qubits. We are talking about really lower than that. It's incredible. What happens there uh, has nothing to do with physics as we know it. Um, And uh, therefore, to, to understand and uh, try to manage this world like we do with quantum computers is going to be an incredible change. It's going to influence uh, our reality. And already we have uh, devices that will help us to uh, have better vision, for example. We have uh, uh, virtual reality devices. We have augmented reality devices. Now we even have mixed reality uh, glasses like uh, the Magic Leap One, which is uh, a glass that you wear. It has five cameras on and uh, sees. I mean, you see through the glass with your two eyes, but also you have five cameras on top of it. And uh, all this process, the computer inside the glasses processes the information and creates a digital image which with a little camera sends directly through your, your lens into your retina. So you, you have two images. One, the real one that you see from your environment, all right? And one that you project on, the, on, this, on these uh, uh, cells, the, the ones that uh, understand the shapes and colors which is digital image. The brain is fooled and sees uh, two pictures, one real and one digital, as one. You can do incredible things now. Amazing. So we've talked a lot about the physical, but you mentioned telepathy before. What are your thoughts on telepathy and um, the metaphysical? Well, as you know, uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, telepathy, we have abilities, many abilities, we have intuition, we have uh, um, 
uh, we can understand uh, and uh, and uh, comprehend uh, and not imagine but sense i believe uh, uh, various things that happen around the world because it's us and the environment okay it's it's our brain and the uh, and nature around it so the connection between the brain and nature if you come to the quantum world and i must tell you that the brain works in quantum mode like the quantum computer I was explaining before, then in quantum mode, many things, many abilities uh, exist that uh, we, uh, we try to handle through meditation and various other techniques uh, for centuries now. Uh, I mean, uh, Buddhist monks and uh, so many uh, people are trying to uh, develop uh, more and better and better techniques. Uh, to control uh, their brain and make it function uh, at a different level. This different level I'm talking about, this is the fourth dimension. If we manage to, but, but what I'm trying to do here is use technology, which I know very well, like this uh, mixed reality glasses, for example, in order to train our brain to the next level up and uh, try to understand not all 11 uh, dimensions, but at least the fourth one. So this is what I'm after. This is my passion. Uh, That's amazing. Moment. Well, I'm hoping to operate always in quantum mode or for the most part. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, quantum yeah. mode for me. Yes, uh, we already uh, operate in this mode, but we don't know it. We don't understand it. The, the human brain is incredible. Uh, it's a, a fantastic physical computer uh, that has a lot of uh, more capabilities than uh, the digital computer and definitely even more than uh, the uh, new quantum computer. And that's After interesting. All, we have, yeah. yeah, we have, we have uh, um, millions of euros, euro, neurons in our brain. Now, the, the biggest... Uh, quantum computer we have up to now has 2,000 qubits instead of millions. Okay, this is the latest model in, in this Canadian company that I'm talking about uh, that has created this quantum computer. It, it, sell, it sold, uh, uh, I think it cost two, three million each and uh, dollars, I mean, and uh, it sold one to NASA, one to Google, um, uh, one uh, to space, um, uh, sorry, military uh, F uh, airplanes, this uh, very, very good airplanes. Uh -huh. Talking about airplanes, by the way, the pilots are using this technology already, you know, because they go, they, they, I mean, in, uh, in military uh, airplanes, uh, Air Force. Um, because they go very fast and they have to react uh, at an incredible speed, it's impossible to take their eyes away from, from the scenery and look at the flying uh, information on, 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 the, on the meters, etc., on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So what they do, they use these glasses I told you before in order to project images directly uh, in front of their eyes. So, they, they, they see the real world and the projection of the speed or aiming at the, 
uh, enemy airplane or whatever, you know, to do the dogfight uh, uh, they do here, there. So we use technology that I'm, I'm talking about for military purposes already. Uh, imagine now uh, to do it even faster just by thinking, not even going through the eyes, but just by thinking, uh, you can uh, actually connect to, to the machine, uh, the airplane in, in this situation. Uh, so we have to see a lot, a lot of advances in this area. And uh, I believe uh, I'm uh, at the front of this uh, state-of-the-art research. And, uh, well, congratulations. Is, uh, That's very exciting. <laughs> this is my... I, 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 I have uh, a number of publications, uh, which are, okay, basic uh, publications that uh, have to do with comprehending the three-dimensional uh, world, but also I explain what the fourth dimension is, and I do simulations trying to go uh, a little bit further to comprehend the fourth dimension because uh, it's a matter not only of theory but also in practice uh, like a baby has to practice to soak in the information uh, and understand the the three dimensions around it uh, so we are babies and we need to train ourselves to comprehend the fourth dimension Interesting. I just wanted to ask you, we talk a lot about the physical body and the brain, which is just an incredible organ. Do you, you talked about the sense and perception um, and telepathy. What do you think about, do we have a, a soul or a spirit or a consciousness that also has incredible um, potential in your opinion? Well, <laughs> um, okay, here we're going into metaphysical uh, discussion. Uh, you see, everybody is influenced by uh, his or her uh, profession. Uh, I'm, uh, I study with computers, uh, trying to uh, simulate and, and uh, create uh, the digital mind, because this is what we were saying. We were, we, the word computer did not exist in 1971. Uh, we used to say it's electronic brain. This is what we called computers, electronic brains. Uh, and they were connected with uh, uh, the idea of robots, etc. So this influenced me. And uh, I tend to um, separate uh, these machines in hardware which is the electrons and transistors, etc., and software, which is the programming, which is mathematics, physics, etc., science. So um, you could say that um, uh, the body, uh, the analogy is that the body is the hardware and the soul is uh, the software. However, I know that uh, uh, hardware without software and software with hardware without hardware, uh, is uh, impossible to, to have. You have to have it as one. Uh, if uh, one is missing, then you have nothing. Uh, for me, software, uh, without the hardware, it's on a piece of paper, some lines of code. Nothing. They do nothing. Uh, it's like having uh, music uh, on the five lines with notes, how you write music on a paper. 
you need uh, an organ to play music and, and listen to it in a three-dimensional world. Uh, music on a piece of paper uh, on its own uh, does not have a soul. It it's, it's, does not live. Uh, the same thing here. So this has influenced me, and, and I believe that uh, although uh, as, as long as we are alive, uh, all this exists, uh, exists as one, not as two separate things as far as I'm concerned. However, this does not mean that uh, after we die, it disappears. Uh, you see, I believe uh, in, uh, in, 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 in the world where the information uh, is never lost. Uh, it dissipates like energy uh, in, uh, in the world and in nature, goes back to nature in other words, and uh, uh, keeps uh, existing. Um, the question is uh, uh, what happens uh, after death? Uh, another question is uh, what happened before birth. Um, we tend to uh, to focus on, on, on the first one, after death, and we don't care much before birth. Uh, it's like the Big Bang, you know? People say, ah, the Big Bang and then the world uh, uh, cosmos cre was created. Well, I don't believe in Big Bang. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, it was, uh, cosmos was there uh, continuously and we have uh, oscillations uh, and, uh, and this uh, cosmos was, uh, um, it goes forward and, and, and uh, at some time it might get, uh, um, let's say, destroyed, but uh, this does not mean that uh, you have a, a big bang and a new beginning. Uh, information is destroyed. It does not mean that it didn't exist before. You understand what I'm? I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, it's I a, do. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit complex. <laughs> it's it's worse than quantum computers, actually. But it's, all, uh, it's always been there, and it, it's basically <laughs> remembering, really. Yeah, and uh, so I believe that we have uh, oscillations. In fact, one of my publications. You see, I'm approaching all this from art's point of view, and I do it on purpose, because if I go through physics or mathematics, then I'm going to have a lot of problems with uh, my uh, fellow scientists. I understand uh, that. I respect that. So, so I created uh, whatever I think in my life, uh, it, it, I use art uh, methods. Art. Yes. Because in art, uh, you can uh, uh, imagine things and say things that uh, are not exactly proven. And, uh, but you can still go forward and uh, say, okay, uh, I could have an art installation and uh, try to um, explain to you how you are going to, how you could listen uh, uh, for dimension sound if you had the a three-dimensional ear, uh, how you could, all right? Uh, you, can, you, you, you don't have a three-dimensional ear, so we're talking about simulation here, and we're talking about art installation, mm -hmm. uh, interactive art installation, 
and uh, therefore this is, if you like, my scientific process. Uh, that's why I believe in um, what I call uh, technartists. These are my students that are uh, created, uh, developed in my uh, department, which is in Ionian University in Corfu Island. It's the only um, hybrid department uh, in Greece where uh, we deal with uh, science and art at the same time and theory. So we have 20% theory, like uh, history of arts, uh, uh, visual semiology, etc., etc. And uh, we have uh, then uh, uh, art, like drawing and photographs and sculpture. And then we have digital uh, informatics, uh, like in computer science. And what we end up is with a person that can deal with three worlds at the same time. More like, um, not like El Greco, where you see a painting of El Greco and you say, aha, this is El Greco, okay, that's the style, the color, etc. But more like Da Vinci, where Da Vinci was also a scientist, not only an artist. So I have small Da Vinci's there. I call them technartists, technocart and art together. So I call them technartists. It's a, it's a new word that uh, I published in 2017, uh, saying that uh, these people are uh, not only artists, uh, not only technocrats, but both, like Da Vinci. And uh, they can understand technology and art to such an extent that they can use technology in a very aesthetic way, because aesthetics is, is the key word here. If you want to create uh, virtual worlds or augmented reality worlds, like uh, uh, with these glasses, mixed reality glasses mm -hmm. I told you before, yeah. then you cannot be just an engineer or just an artist. You have to be both. And uh, this is uh, my other passion, is uh, to create uh, these technartists in my department. We work since 2004 creating this department. We have uh, something like 750 students, 36 professors, about 120 PhDs and 80 master's degree, about 320 degrees, undergraduate degrees already we have issued. And uh, uh, we have a lot of uh, festivals, a lot of uh, uh, science, uh, uh, information and uh, art information uh, within the festivals uh, that we, we do in uh, uh, our publications, um, in conferences, international conferences, very successful. And uh, uh, now we also have uh, conferences uh, with, uh, that we do in different uh, places, like Mexico we did two years ago, Austria we are going to do in, in Vienna this year, uh, hopefully uh, Sydney next uh, year. Uh, these are conferences that my department is doing in applying audiovisual technology in art. And uh, uh, we also do uh, audiovisual art and uh, uh, festival for one month this year in Corfu. We used to do it uh, the past 14 years uh, 
for a week. But it's so successful that we have so many applications um, only for the um, animation festival we did this year. We had 900 applications from all around the world, 120 uh, little short films, animation films uh, uh, at the final list, and we gave 10 uh, prizes. So it's a, it's a huge thing. Uh, the, the students love it because we also do video games and you know video games it's very in, popular <laughs> very popular Wait, do I you mean, play they, video games uh, oh yes so they do incredible they 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 think and create uh, new games uh, almost every day do you play uh, video games oh i do play video games really yes. uh, because a lot? Uh, i exer <laughs> i exercise well, not a lot because I don't have uh, my priority. I mean, it's not a matter of time. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine you're kind of busy. <laughs> yes, uh, because I'm a, I'm a head of the department yeah. these years. And uh, you understand, we are talking about a department with about a thousand people. It's, uh, it's a lot of work there. Uh, and also, I want to, to continue with my passion, which is uh, comprehending the, the fourth dimension. Uh, in my research with my PhD students. So uh, this is uh, also... What a, what a wonderful passion and what an incredible, incredible work you're doing with the world, really. Well, you know, it happened because, uh, first of all, my, my first um, degree uh, was uh, in theatre. Uh, I studied uh, very early in my life, uh, when I was 17 years of age, to become an actor. And then, uh, I went into uh, digital uh, computer, the electronic brain, in 1971. Uh, probably I have the first degree, uh, bachelor, master, and PhD as a Greek, because at the time we didn't have a university here, so I went to England, Newcastle upon Tyne, to, uh, to learn about all this. And uh, at the time, my father was, uh, you know, uh, telling me things like, uh, making jokes like, where are you going to work? Uh, Nicholas uh, on the moon uh, because he did not know of course what was going to happen with how, how far ahead of your time you were <laughs> <laughs> it's like surfing you know uh, Louisa you know very well in your uh, country you do a lot of surfing yes. uh, to, to go forward you need to be in, on top and in just a little bit in front of the wave otherwise you lost the wave so it's exactly the same life is like that you have to be up at the front, state-of-the-art stuff, and uh, a little bit forward, a little bit into imagination, uh, in order to, to keep uh, go forward. Otherwise, the, you have to wait and catch the next wave. And sometimes you have to wait for a long time. So it's like surfing. I surf through life. I love that. <laughs> That's a beautiful way of putting it. In the interest of time, what else would you like to talk about to our audience? I'm just writing that quote down, I surf through life. I love that. Well, um, what else would you like my, to other passions, okay, my, sure. my other passions, apart from education, because I, I don't really, know how you get the time for everything. I, I, Honestly, you're, you're such a busy man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, time is the same for everybody. Yes. 24 yes. hours per day. It's a matter of priorities. This is what it is. And that Rubik's Cube happens every morning. 
Yes, I mean, uh, the, 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 this is uh, a way of uh, life. You can fit a lot of things in 24 yeah, hours. And sure. really, you can, lot, uh, you can fit a lot of things in a lifetime. Anyone, anyone can do anything that wants within a lifetime. Think of my grandmother, all right? In the 100 years that she lived, incredible stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, she was a refugee in Boston. My father was born in uh, Boston, in USA. Uh, <laughs> years that you, at the time you, we didn't have airplanes, you had to take a, a sailing boat to cross the ocean. So you, you understand, uh, we, 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 are, we are at a different life uh, phase at the moment. We go at incredible speed forward. Um, we cannot stop. We accelerate continuously. It's like a, a, a technological explosion, but all science, because uh, internet, this is what happened. Internet uh, uh, helps uh, to share information with the speed of light. So uh, the information comes from all over the place. The, the world has run to a point, and the point is your screen. Uh, information through internet arrives at your screen in milliseconds uh, and you have uh, after each search thousands of solutions and you have to pick up uh, the optimal one so you need a quantum computer to help you and this is where I'm working at hmm. um, so your passions so <laughs> these are my passions and and it's uh, if you think it's uh, I mean it, I started thinking about electronic brains in uh, 1971, even earlier, because in 1971 I was in the university. So, uh, 65, 68. And um, so now to think about the uh, uh, fourth dimension, I, I think I'm already late. I should do it 20 years earlier. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm late. Uh, things are moving uh, very, very fast. We are going to see incredible things. We can talk about another time because what, where technology takes us, uh, we will see incredible stuff uh, within the next five years, never mind 20. Um, Wonderful. Incredible. Within our life, um, already things are happening. Imagine to have these glasses, for example, the mixed reality glasses, and be a surgeon. So you are on top of a patient, and you have to go through an operation, and you, you see everything. Not only the surface of the skin, but what is below that, and not only the theory, but uh, you, you can load all the information of the x-ray, MRI, heart scan, etc., of that particular patient in your glasses. So before you even cut through the skin, you know what is below uh, cell by cell all the way to the bone. And you slalom through without uh, creating damage. Now, this is the future surgeon. And uh, uh, this future surgeon uh, is not far away from, from now, uh, five years from now, uh, like the uh, Superman, X-ray in the eyes. Well, yes. these are the mixed reality glasses. The comic, so the yeah, movies. Exactly, yes. exactly. 
So a surgeon with x-ray in the eyes, imagine what I can do and what service can give to society. Mm. Different, completely different than what we have now. The world's and, uh, changing very fast. Extremely fast, Luisa, extremely fast. Uh, even the specialists like me, we have problems following, uh, catching up. Things are happening every day. Uh, and uh, to find out, I mean, so much information, you, you, you don't have uh, time to sort it out. No, no wonder Google bought, uh, uh, together with NASA, this uh, uh, quantum computer. And they, they started together a research institute, uh, creating algorithms, uh, annealing algorithms, as we call them, to try and, and uh, select the optimum solution for various problems like finding... Uh, uh, the optimal path of a satellite that travels uh, throughout space. Um, we need uh, uh, 20, uh, 20 minutes for the information to go uh, and reach that spacecraft uh, at the end of cosmos. And uh, uh, to, to come back again uh, to find out what happened after you give an order to that spaceship. Uh, you need again the same time and uh, up to now you needed something like three days to calculate the next uh, uh, move of the spacecraft. It's like uh, driving a car without uh, a glass in front of you, without uh, seeing uh, outside and, and you have to go at an incredible speed. So obviously what you need is better processing and this better processing is coming from quantum computers. Interesting. So I just want to ask, and I ask all of my <laughs> guests on the show, if someone's looking to follow their passions, what do you recommend? Well, um, I have, uh, let's say, an algorithm, a passion methodology. If oh, of, co I can of course call you it. do. Of course you do. That's yes. fabulous. <laughs> well, my, my, my passion methodology uh, is um, as follows. Live my day as, I, as if it is my first one. Try to understand nature and humanity to my new detail, both in theory and practice. Apply my knowledge to expand my experience to extreme levels, great detail in other words, vertical in, use my acquired knowledge and experience to create every day something I have never seen, heard, done, or even thought before that has to do with art, technology, and education. In other words, every day I need to create something. And I have a lot of hobbies, like architecture, for example, I build houses. Uh, I see a house uh, as a sculpture. So uh, I'm a house architect. Uh, uh, this is another passion of mine. And uh, uh, I create uh, living spaces uh, that uh, are very different than uh, uh, the usual ones. And uh, try to, to keep aesthetics near with technology. Uh, because they can coexist in uh, great harmony as long as you understand both and as long as you are a, what I call a technartist. And I'm, I am a technartist. So this is my uh, passion methodology. And uh, 
uh, my technocratic and uh, artistic ideas uh, uh, is the fuel uh, to live uh, my life forward and create every day. I need to create every day. I need, because this is, this is really keeps me uh, happy and, uh, and uh, I feel that I'm uh, useful to society. Uh, and that's why I focus on education because education uh, it's uh, it's 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 a, a tool uh, to pass the information to the next generations. After all, theory comes from the past, and practice and uh, uh, all the knowledge we create is for the future. So I try every day to put uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, in this um, human uh, database uh, and uh, publish the information. And perhaps some people that listen to me uh, will uh, start uh, thinking this way and uh, develop further, uh, faster <laughs> into, into the new era which is going to be incredible. After all, already we are trying to find, you know, another planet to inhabit, as you know, with NASA projects and all yes. that. So the sky is not the limit. <laughs> we say the sky is the limit. Well, no, the sky is not the limit. Uh, we have uh, a way to, to go uh, beyond. And uh, we will. And we are doing already, and uh, uh, we learn every day uh, new uh, information uh, about nature, and uh, we develop with nature. Uh, not as, as we are not as good as nature, obviously. Uh, nature is the mother. Nature is incredible. It's well, well, well ahead of us. Uh, but at least we try to imitate. Wonderful. A lot of a, a lot of damages in 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 the way, of course, because uh, some of us uh, don't apply this knowledge uh, for good, but for bad, wars and all that. You know what I'm talking about. But this is a, a completely different uh, uh, matter and uh, a very long discussion that we could have uh, another day. But another another practice. episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't focus on that distraction, right? I'm focusing only on uh, going forward uh, because I'm much happier this way to create and destroy. I don't care, destroy. Uh, so uh, we, we can use technology for good, like for surgery, as I said before, MRI and all that, and not uh, to kill people in their homes all around the world. Sure. With bombs and, and uh, all this uh, incredible... Uh, uh, nasty tools that uh, we have created for uh, distraction. However, I'm optimistic. I believe we cannot distract nature. We cannot distract nature. Nature is much, much bigger than us. So it balances out. And you know what? We also have uh, in our DNA something which uh, saves us, which is uh, uh, the need to survive. So this is a, a, a very good seed 
that nature put inside our DNA. Uh, and I believe that this seed is very strong and uh, will not uh, let us uh, to destroy the world. And that's why we never had, and we will never have an atomic war because of that seed inside our DNA. DNA is God, you know, is our little God inside mm -hmm. each one of us. And uh, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that our DNAs uh, can go forward and become better humans and, of course, cooperate and uh, create even better DNAs uh, through nature. Natural process. What a wonderful way to end the show, Professor Nico or Nicholas. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much for being on Passion Harvest. What a, I've got a lot of food for thought and I'm going to have to process all the incredible information you've provided me and our audience. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Well, it's my pleasure, Luisa. Oh, it was a pleasure. And I enjoy just... this talk. And uh, it's, it's only scratching the surface. I know, I know, but it's just uh, mind-blowing uh, and incredible all the work you're doing. You've, uh, you've uh, explained uh, it well in layman's sort of terms. <laughs> yes, a lot of mathematics and uh, imaginary numbers and all that and equations behind it all, but uh, we cannot uh, talk over this. It's, it's very, very difficult to... Uh, That's going to be a whole season if we the, do that. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, uh, comprehend the realities uh, bad as, as it is. Uh, I mean, trying to comprehend three dimensions, it's uh, uh, so difficult. After all, don't forget, we don't see depth. No one of us can see depth. Very so interesting. In, 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 imagine how difficult it is uh, to uh, understand the science behind it all this. Yes. But what exciting work. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking bye, to professor. you. Bye, Professor. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.